Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to Marketing Meanders with Sally and Sam. And uh, we today are going to be discussing uh, the, the differences or rather the the relationship, I suppose, between culture and practice and which influences the other or do they both influence each other? In equal turn and what i mean by this really is looking at i mean particularly from the marketing team perspective but this could apply to to anything really couldn't it? any 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 team um, in any organization or even an individual potentially i mean it depends it goes back to those i go back to my university days when i was learning all about uh, cultures and subcultures of organizations and and the whole thing about you know what is a common culture that, that develops in a uh, an organization, whether it's multinational, then the national branch of that multinational, the marketing team culture, the sales culture, the way in which you, you know, you, you go about things, the way in which you you deliver the work you do, and and also the sort of nature of relationships, the style you have for um, delivering your your day to day work. Um, and then the actual practices, the more sort of codified things around, well, this is this is how we go about um, getting a million pounds worth of sales, you know, it's either like, you know, our culture is every, every man and woman for themselves, you know, um, dog eat dog, go after it, ring the bell, very vicious and going out there. And that's therefore the processes, the practices we have are all very individualized because we don't share with each other. We're all totally siloed about how we sell what we sell. We just need to get the business numbers and hit the numbers. So you've got a culture and you've got practice there. Um, or perhaps you're very, you know, flat structure and and beautifully you know uh, in tune with each other and very caring and sharing and therefore you're very collaborative so you have collaborative systems you have collaborative processes you have ways of sharing so that's really what essentially we mean by this and then we're going to jump into hopefully some interesting examples about about these two and and try to ask the question answer this question rather around does the culture you have influence the practice you have or does the can the practice then re-engineer the culture you have so can you change one or the other and influence it so i've just chucked all that out there sally but um i was gonna let you go into sort of some some examples or more illustrative uh, examples of how we think this manifests and then we'll try and i'm just going that. to use an example that i think probably everyone who's listening on it here will probably have experienced this i've worked at several places where you get them there's a mission statement you read the mission statement you think, oh this is marvelous sometimes the mission statement might even be printed on a coaster for your desk so you're absolutely constantly told that you have a that you work in a completely collaborative environment where everyone helps everyone else. The customer comes first, um, and your your main aim in life is to help the company um, glow in the customer's mind. You think, oh, right, okay, well, here we are, collaborative. This sounds terrific. And then you try and sit with a meeting, and you try and invite, let's say, a marketing person and oper operations and budgeting. So you're going to fight finance. And you try and set that meeting up. And on the first whack, final say, oh, no, no, I don't need to come. I haven't got time. Oh, OK, that's the first little problem there then. So you're not talking to me. So I immediately can't really communicate with some of it. So we're immediately not collaborative. So I'm going to have to kind of guess what might have come from over there. And then kind of, should I feed back to you? Or should I just keep it all over here? So you immediately don't quite know what's going on and if you have that if, if your mission statement is we love the customer then it's not good for you to be in an environment where you don't really know how you're all treating the customer if your customer is for i don't really know how finance manages debt or you know speaks to them about paying their bills or any of that kind of thing i don't know any of that 
And so we're probably not doing anything close to the mission statement. And I reckon I can think of three companies that I've worked with where that is exactly what happens. Exactly. And it's because we get there and say, oh, no, my job is this. It looks like this. It's this shape. And it can't change. And I think what we have to do is change it. So probably what I should have done when that person said I can't come to that meeting is say, oh, I'm really sorry. Well, could you send me a few dates and we could see if we can find a date that you can do? And actually, you have to make things change. And you'll be surprised suddenly if they come, they go, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know you talked about this. That's really good. But I mean, that's that's interesting. So effectively, in many ways, that's sort of yeah, changing a practice, even at a small, low level practice to influence a culture, isn't it? Because I suppose what I, as you were saying that, what occurred to me as well was this this idea around uh, as you say, the stated culture, uh, so that the the corporate culture model, which is usually the one that's on all the beautiful pull-up banners and um, you know uh, acrylic uh, uh, um, uh, meeting rooms, uh, walls, and and, mm-hmm. and and windows and things like that, and that's the sort of this is what we're saying is uh, is what we do and how we are and, and how we do things. So you have that, and then you have the real culture, don't you? You have the the actual on the ground culture. That's where these subcultures work in as well, isn't it? So maybe that you know say sales perhaps are you know not not trying to caricature here too much perhaps you do have a dog eat dog sort of sales team and you have a highly collaborative very sensitive uh marketing team or 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 finance or perhaps you know perhaps the finance um uh you say that the the financial controllers are are really sensitive and really customer focused because they work really well with marketing they understand who they need to be working with and and they're really nice gently gently when they go after debt uh and and managing accounts and then you've got in the middle you've got sort of a absolutely you know voracious very vicious sales team you've got a mismatch there but you've got the sort of that stated culture haven't you of the company it's where internal comms comes in as well isn't it there's obviously this this bigger projecting going this is how we are we are we are really touchy-feely and lovely people um but actually we're not because that's not the actual cult the day-to-day lived culture that we have at all and therefore there's almost evidence isn't there in the practice i suppose so then then there's there is there this divergence from the stated practice of what you do, particularly the marketing team, this is how we go about the customer, building the customer journey, doing the touch points. This is what we do. Um, but actually that's not what we do. This is what we really do. So perhaps both practice and culture have the stated vision um, and then the realistic vision, don't they? And, and there's a problem there. Yeah. I mean, we, we must also never ever be blind to how much this is going to, the, the customer are going to notice they are going to notice because <clears throat> they don't they have thousands of touch points across your company their t- the first touch point might be with a product so they're then uh, call, they're then there with the product developers there they are that's the touch point their first touch point might be with marketing because they've seen an advert but they need to have consistency if they get the marketing ad saying oh this is completely marvelous product it will never break and it's always valuable and it's completely it'll it's it's a completely unique pink and then they go that's brilliant and they buy it <clears throat> but product development has actually built in obscurity on purpose because they know that they need people to buy it again so after two minutes it breaks and then you've got mm, the customer is really going to notice and you're going to lose them. So you have to make sure that your culture and your practice match. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's that I think a big part of it, again, is this sort of organisational awareness, isn't it, really? So this is something that comes down to both the individual manager 
individual worker i mean depending on how big the cult company is say you've got a company of 100 people say in this sort of ideally split 20 20 20 people in the in five different departments and then you've got a ceo or a managing director at the top um you, you could work it out and say well yeah well what what's the awareness that we have it almost like checking in against ourselves so i think there's some nice examples i've got of people again pushing this whole you know this is the customer promise and this is the culture and if you I, I, as I said, my, my rule of thumb is always if you have to keep on spelling out and saying this is what we are this is this is why we're amazing these are our new buzzwords and then we'll we'll look at it again in a year's time and then we'll we'll say them again i don't think that's awareness of a culture or pra- and therefore practices you need to support that culture i think that's very much like a it's just an, a papering over exercise isn't it saying well this is what we are you know and they will have groups and talk about things but it just feels it's coming from the wrong side. I mean, there's, there's someone I know who does this quite regularly or has to do this, has to endure this quite regularly with the people they work for. I'm not going to say who it is, obviously. Um, and and it's it, it very much an exercise in sort of these are our five vision phrases or whatever. And then they have to go back in and they do it again in a year's time. It's a huge amount of time and effort to do it. But I don't really feel that then those visions and that culture is genuinely what's reflected on the ground and therefore yeah. practices you need to change to alter the bits which you don't yeah. like perhaps you know and the, the hr as well so the ports yeah. to change it um, as a marketer there's something really interesting things you can do if you if you do if you could catch them and often to be honest if you're in the company you have no idea what the mission statement is because if it's not printed on the on your on your coaster you've no idea somewhere there'll be probably a whole group of people who've worked for years possibly on your mission statement but then they don't tell anybody so however if you can find your mission statement look at it and think okay this is what we are and what we do i am going to use possibly this this actual mission statement or at least vocabulary and keywords from it in all my marketing this is going to be my marketing vocabulary book and I'm going to use it all the time and just see what happens and see what kind of response you get. Because if you kind of write a draft and send it to whoever's going to approve and they say, oh, no, I don't like that word. It would be very interesting to see what happens if you said, oh, that's that's in the missions in our company mission statement 12 times. Mm. And it's a very interesting thing to do. Yeah. I mean, it's actually I mean, to, to take that as well, to, to extend that into. I think if you know if you're in the marketing team you're responsible for the website and also you know the social media presence in particular if you're looking at seo um and you're really like well you're differentiating yourselves so you really need to ensure that if particularly well any business but if you're a small business and you're trying to gain more um presence online and you're differentiating the fact that i don't know you what could you do well handbags there you go you you sell handbags but you want to make it clear that you know what you you do it with with love and and you source the best materials and you are very environmentally aware as well so you know you, you source materials responsibly you handcraft them with love and passion and, and and enjoyment of course i mean these are things lots of people will say but if you genuinely do that and genuinely feel that get that into that those terms that that those words are actually very powerful when as you say you use them in that way and therefore it goes down to that whole thing of you know, if you're trying to get anybody to understand that, what you've just pointed out there, you know, someone goes, oh, I don't know about that. I mean, it's, you know, it's not very clear, but do we really do this and that? You say, well, yes, but if, if this, this is our USP, you know, this is part of why we do this and, and who we are. And yep. therefore those words do have a great power, particularly in very, very practical terms to anybody trying to find us or 
where we are associated online, the kind of conversations yep. we are a part of in social media, the, the website, the people we affiliate with, you know, it, it, it has a very practical marketing outcome, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, and if your mission statement, to be honest, is nowhere on your website, that's wrong. If you really believe in this mission statement and this is what you are and what you want to become, then it should be not possibly front page out there, but it absolutely should be on your website somewhere. And it possibly should be printed on some of your packaging or printed on or be a strap line at the bottom of every single piece of marketing material you do. You've got to believe in it and see it all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and I think it's, the, it's also simplicity is very important here, isn't it? Yeah. Really, I think if you're trying to build a, I say build a culture, because that's the thing as well. Where do you start? If you grow a business and you're on your own and you say, well, I'm doing this because, and then again, starting with the Simon Sinek, why, you know, I'm doing this because you know, I want to build a business because I want, I want, I want to uh, make the best handbags in the world. You know, you want to make the best handbags in the world, exactly. the highest possible quality, the yep. best. Yep. Um, therefore you're going to employ people who are the best at what they do, I suppose, you know, and if they're really, you know, skilled artisans, whatever, you know, you're making the bags and then the way in which the way in which you sell them, your whole value proposition is built around that. But it's built around a simple mission statement of just the, the want these to be the best handbags in the world. That will influence yeah. everything you do. That will influence all your marketing decisions because you say, well, we're yeah. not just going to send out. We're not going to do discounts. We're not going to flog a load of cheap promotions on Facebook. We're going to go high end magazines. Yeah. It'll it's it's a, it's a smaller clientele we're going after higher end higher value um high profit margin therefore we need to spend significant amounts on smaller numbers of exactly. of campaigns you know so it, exactly. it we're going everything. to do them internationally you know because we want to be the best in the world that doesn't just mean the best in oxfordshire yeah exactly so that means we have to have e-commerce on the website we need to have international campaigns we yep. need to have this it influences everything with our strategy and you say but it's just that simplicity isn't it because it's almost yep. in applying that simplicity to it should be inculcated into all areas of your business, shouldn't it? And yeah. again, all teams, therefore that cult, that common culture comes back. So, cause sometimes when you have four or five buzzwords and, and, and things, you always have those sub, sub words, don't you? Underneath the mission statement, yeah. then people go, mm. Oh yeah. Am I, am I, so let's have a look this, this meeting. Have we held this meeting with integrity? Have we, have we, have we, <laughs> have we been innovative? Have we been uh, collaborative? Are, are we being truthful? Are yeah. we, yeah are we, are we supportive are we bending over backwards are we doing yoga at the time we're doing it are we doing all these things that, that, that we need to be doing or is it more like you know does this do the outcomes of this meeting and therefore the actions we're taking the practice yeah. that we're working on support the culture yeah. of being the best handbag makers in the world exactly. yes or no and how you know so so it's that simplicity isn't it which again yeah. is from a marketing message perspective it's that that's a, the central, um, you know, single-minded yeah. proposition that we have for our business, really. Um, that's really interesting. I think the simplicity is really true. There's, I'm now trying, I can't actually remember the company, but it was a huge tech company and it had a fantastic mission statement. It was, for all its staff, it was come to work, have fun, make money. And that was it. And you think, that's fantastic. Because yeah. actually, there's lots of there's lots of depth you could put in there, but basically, that's what their mission statement was. And the most important bit was probably have fun. Mm. Yeah. Because you know you've got to come to work, and you know the whole purpose is to make money. But to have them actually say have fun mm. frees up your creativity, means you could try different things. I'm a bit of a you know, 
it's you might want to i don't think it was google but you can imagine google offices all have strange seats to sit on and spiral staircases and all that kind of thing and to make it fun and that's maybe what they should be doing oh absolutely that's it isn't it because again you can apply that to to any practices you're working on whether that's hr practices marketing you know uh, everything you have set up in in the team just just means that you're going okay well that that's what we need to do how do we design the office based on having fun as you say how how do we how do we communicate with our customers? How do we we want to get across that that feeling of fun? And, and particularly, I suppose, if you do hospitality or entertainment, then of course, yeah, you've got to have that at the centre, haven't you? Really, if it's like no, be very serious and and, and yeah. be very aggressive in our expansion uh, across all markets. And you're like, well, okay, but if we do that, we're probably not going to come off in the right the right way. Something's going to break down at some stage. Therefore, yeah. you know, there's that mismatch. But it's interesting, I suppose, taking a step back in terms of you know where things start you know because obviously most businesses will start with someone or a few people coming together having an idea haven't they they have an idea and they have a passion and interest to do something and therefore they start something up and perhaps to begin with they they have a very clear idea of you know not necessarily a defined culture but a culture grows up i mean that's the thing cultures grow up between people it's cultures only exist in the minds of the people within them and so therefore it it, it's that and then at some stage it gets codified and turned into a bit of a mission statement and their you know way of doing things and then but then the practices there sort of support that so i suppose in the best case scenario you like with the handbag example you start off making them yourself in your garage and then you know it gets bigger it's still a labor of love still the passion and because how many times do you see these companies saying well today we still embody the original zeal of you know fabrice oh. maralango who 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 made our first <laughs> handbag in sienna in, the, in his workshop at the bottom of his garden and it's like but we make yep. them all now in in uh, five five uh, not sweatshops I want. five massive you know yeah, yeah sort of um, global uh, distribution hubs and they're all mass produced yeah. like, but we still embody and imbue that do you i mean you might you might do but it's a bit <laughs> of a stretch isn't it but um yeah. but there's, there's that isn't there but then it's just interesting to see what you know what cultures will naturally pop up between you the two the three the four of you working on that business to begin with and as you start to yeah. onboard more people but then you've got to have the, the sort of the infrastructure yeah. the be in place it's almost like um yeah the building is the practices and the the culture is the furniture and the decoration isn't it that's how you feel in the yeah. space but the space is the practical elements it's just interesting to see how that develops and where do mismatches occur and why do they occur during that process and marketing marketing often has mismatches because you can get cultures which become habitual and one of them which we've talked about before is the catalog is that there is this feeling that every marketing team really for any product it doesn't matter needs to have a catalog and it's got to be printed and possibly have some raised ink on the top and be really classy on expensive paper and it's got and then they sit in a box in the warehouse forever and never get used but that doesn't matter we've got to have a catalog so marketers and that that's part of your culture and part of your that's slightly because somebody in your team possibly your md needs to be able to hold it and go this is mine and ours and it's all here and this is everything we do and that's marketing needs to be able to recognize that the culture is they need to have somewhere to recognize everything they do and it's got to have value because it's got to be on expensive paper but a catalog isn't the best way to do that so marketing you've got to think very carefully about what things is culturally habitual and how to break that 
So it can be a nice, it's a big marketing challenge actually, to turn around and say to sales or your MD, nope, not gonna do that this year. They're gonna do something completely different. We're gonna do this. And it's, it, and it's the only way to keep marketing dynamic. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Well, cause that, that's a very interesting observation again about sort of development evolution, I suppose, of practice, isn't it? Cause as you say, if we'd never decided to move on from doing direct mailing, yeah to email, to social, to messenger, to whatever, you know, then we, yep. we, we, we'd still be doing it, wouldn't we? And then, as we've discussed before, we may end up going around in circles and actually come back <laughs> to doing direct mail again, but who knows? But again, it's that sentiment, isn't it? It's that, it's that you know, this, this is why we're doing it, because, you know, the customer is the best thing to do for the customer and, and therefore not the best thing to do for us, isn't it, I suppose, as well. And it's, um, the, 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 there's that consistency. Again, the simplicity of the message in the centre, isn't it? It's coming back to that simplicity of, we're doing this and we're just doing it the best possible yeah. available formats. But if we went after what well, it's all about efficiency, it's all about us having internal efficiency, then our practices would perhaps be more based on, you know, we're cutting all the high quality stuff. We're just going, you know, purely, you know, electronic off the shelf kind of things off the shelf, CRM off the shelf, yeah. uh, email software off the shelf design. And therefore then you start to go, then you can apply that more human touch of, okay, well, does that, really deliver on the promise we have for the customers and does that represent the culture we have you know well thank you very much for that sam i'm just going to cut you off there in full flow so that uh, we can we can end the episode for today and leave the rest of the discussion for for next time in episode two so next time we'll be focusing on amongst other things uh, talking to your customers about your culture and getting an assessment from them about who you are and what you are and why you do things so you understand more from their perspective um, how you can potentially pause to look at your practice and assess it and assess your culture or subcultures can you ever pause is that actually a feasible realistic thing to do and finally uh, asking the question are practice and culture destined to always be misaligned in perpetuity is is that the case and if that is the case then what does that mean what implications does that mean give uh, for all of us in our in our lives and in our work how do we manage to uh, potentially um, assess that and, and, and try and improve that alignment but uh, well there'll be the answer to that in next episode so you have to tune in um, if you wish to share this episode with anybody then please do you can do that on any social media channel you can follow us at Meanders Pod on Twitter or you can find us on Facebook as well um, and yeah we might pop up on LinkedIn as well check out Sally's uh, LinkedIn profile or mine we usually got various bits and bobs we're sharing there and some other interesting insights so please do uh, take a look and connect with us if you like and uh, yes please share the message with as many people as you think might be interested that's it for today folks thanks very much take care bye for now